Okay, so we are going to continue our sermon series in Matthew, and we've been covering Matthew 5 to 7, and we're up just at the end of 6, and um, we have a couple of people coming in next week, James Riley is going to come and share, and, we, and the week after that, Kevin is going to be here, and he's sharing, and then I'll be doing the week after that, but we'll be finishing the series up then the week before Easter. Um, but I don't know about you, but this has... Uh, Parts of it has blessed the socks out of me. Parts of it has really annoyed me. And parts of it has really challenged me. Um, and the bit that I think challenged me most out of all of this was, I know the whole Bible is the inspired word of God. And, and, and I get that and I accept that and I believe in it. But when I'm reading this and I'm thinking, Jesus actually sat. And, and for those of you who maybe are taking part in Alpha, um, Jimmy, the guy, Jimmy Fennell, the, guy, the deacon from the Catholic Church, he's just back from a trip. He calls it the Holy Land. He's just back from a trip to Israel. And he's telling us all these stories about, I sat in this place where Jesus did the sermon on the mount, and I was in this place where he read the scroll of Isaiah, and there's just something, um, just, I think there's something extra special about this, and that it was the physical manifestation of God, Jesus Christ, walking on the earth, who spoke these words, exactly these words, to the people and to the legal people and the teachers, but to the ordinary crowds, he sat and he said, you want to live, and you want to live a life for me, here's how to do it. And if we just took, if that was all we had, Matthew 5 to 7, and we lived it, without the rest of the Bible, we would be doing really well. And we'd have such better lives if we just lived this way. And today's um, passages are about our treasures and what we treasure, and it's about worrying. And I always think the first part um, about treasures in heaven, some people can find very challenging because they think that churches are after your money. And most churches have been after our money for a long time, and that's the truth of it. Um, But I'm happy to say God has provided for us even when people didn't want to give money. God still takes care of it. But we get an opportunity to invest our treasure into the stuff of this world or into the stuff of eternity. And as we read through this, and as we go through this over the next half an hour or so, I want to ask you to be open to let God speak into your life. Just, just be open that he just might say something. You mightn't like what he says, But it might be just what you need to hear. It might be a push in a direction that you haven't gone in before. It might be challenging to the way you think about life. And, and I want you, I'm going to read this exactly as it says in the book. The rest of the stuff you can blame on me, but this bit you can only blame on God. Okay? This is not my opinion. This is what Jesus said to people. He said, in, we're going to follow this at 6.19. It'll be up on the screens. He said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. 
If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And I want to stop there for a few minutes because money is mentioned loads of times in the scriptures. Loads. God was never afraid to talk about money. I have shied away from talking about money in church for years. Okay? Because I've had, in all fairness, my experience of Christian church was in St. Mark's and it was never something that was pushed. We were taught how to tithe, we were taught to give, but we were never policed, we were never hassled, we were never coerced or manipulated into giving money. But we were encouraged and we were shown that it was the best way to live, to live a generous life. And to sow into God's kingdom. And I, and, and someday I'll probably answer to God for this, but I have shied away from that here. Because I never wanted that to be a stumbling block for you coming into a relationship with Jesus. And I prayed and I hoped that when you did come into a relationship with Jesus, that the Holy Spirit would speak to you. And that you would realize that the way of a Christian is the generosity way. The way of being a member of Christ's body is, is generosity. It's, it comes, it's part of. That giving money away is part of being a Christian. That giving your time is part of being a Christian. That serving the world around us and the body of Christ that we say we belong to is part of being a follower of Jesus. And, and the reality of it is, that scripture says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Not where your heart is, there your treasure will go. Which is the way I always thought it said. It actually says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So I want to ask you, where is your treasure? Where are you investing your time, your money, your energy? Where is it going? Because wherever that is, that's where your heart is. That's where my heart is. If I am putting money into my car, I used to love a song Queen did, I'm in love with my car. Anyone remember that now? I'm in love with my car. Yeah, it's a great song. Okay. But like, when I was a teenager, I spent every penny I had on my car. Any spare money I had went into the car. It was like a banger of a thing. But I had spotlights, I had sea covers, I had hairy sea covers, that because they were all only plasticky leather seats then, you'd stick to them in the heat and the sudden freezing. But like, any money I had, I invested in my car. Guess where my heart was? In my car. Then I met a girl. The car got second place. Where did my money go? Into spending time with the girl. Then I met Anne. That was the end of having money. Now, she will edit this podcast. <laughs> so she will hear this. Okay, so, so I'm not hiding it. But like, so I spent anything we had into our family. So where was my heart? In our family. Then I came into a relationship with Jesus. And it was like, oh, I don't like giving churches money. I don't trust them. I still remember Mount Argus doing a roof collection funds and having a big thing. 
but they had sold this, they waited, sorry, they got their roof collection fund in, which was a massive amount of money, I can't remember how much it was, and about three months afterwards, they sold this big field for housing development after it, and I was thinking, why didn't you just sell the field first and get the money and do your, your roof with that? So that was the suspicion, oh, I don't know why they did that, it's not my place to judge that, that's whatever they have to do, they have to do. But that was the suspicious mind I had around giving money to church. Does that make sense? When we got saved, when we started going to St. Mark's, most people who knew us said to us, they're only after your money. We hadn't got a being. I was making about £110 a week and we were paying 50 quid rent on a house. With two kids and Anne wasn't working. And I was kind of like, if they can find any money, they can have half. I'm like, we don't have money for them to be after. But you know what? When we were broke, God taught us to tie it. God did, not the church. I only ever remember Gary preaching once on tithing. And even at that, it's sketchy. I can't really remember it. But he taught us to give. He taught us to invest. And you know what happened after that? Our heart went after our money. And we started tithing when we could only put in a five or a week. Or a ten or a week. Actually, the big conversation that I had with several people about tithing was, you have to do it on your gross or your net. I was earning 140 quid a week. I was bringing home 110. So that was 11 or 14 pounds. At the time, that was the price of two packets of smokes. Three quid was two packets of smokes. And someone said to me, it was the gross. I was sick. I was like, oh, God. But we did it. But you know what happened? And, and like, there are people in this room who knew us back then. And who knew how broke we were. And who knew how hard it was to start going on this journey. But from the day that we started investing in the kingdom of God, we have never known want. I haven't always had what I want and what I like. I haven't always had the luxuries. I haven't always had the holidays I'd like or the car. I don't have the car I'd like now, but I have a car. I don't, I don't have a lot of things I'd like right now, but I have everything that I need and more and I remember a man many years ago called Noel McFarlane preaching in St. Mark's and he said I have learned that when I give God the 10% I live better on the 90% than I ever managed on the 100 because something about holding on to the 100 it just has holes in your pockets it's gone now here's the point I want to make scripture says you can invest your money where moth and rust rot it away and eat it up or where thieves steal it. Or you can invest it in the kingdom of God which has an eternal benefit and never goes away. And I want to give you just one practical example of this and move on. When we were um, probably 20 years ago or thereabouts, there was a friend of ours who was an insurance salesman, Christian guy, um, and he, t- he took care of us for, like, we had no life insurance or anything at the time. We were like I said, we were broke. We were barely buying food, never mind anything else. And life insurance was a luxury that it was like we hadn't got. And then, excuse me, eventually we took out money, uh, we took out a policy and I got a bit of a better job and we were a little bit better off. And then this guy kept saying to me, Brian, you really should start thinking about a pension scheme. No, I was in my 30s at the time. Maybe late 30s. And I was going, no, I don't know. But he had me convinced then. He was like, no, you'll be broke. Now, here's the bit. My man and I were smashed when they were out. 
smashed. They were on like the social welfare. He'd been made redundant when he was only in his 50s. And from there on, there was just... Even if there was money, there was a poverty mentality within the household of lack. All right? And I had lived in that for years. And when he said to me, you'll be broke when you're in a pension and you, you won't have a penny and you'll be blah, blah, blah. And I started going, oh crap, I don't want to end up like them. So I seriously sat and thought, how can we get a pension scheme? And Anne was thinking, and we were having this conversation. And then, whether it was a light bulb moment or whatever, but we decided maybe we should pray about that. You know that kind of Christian thing you do now and again? You ask God what he thinks. Sometimes it works when you ask him. Sometimes it doesn't. Because he doesn't tell you what you want to hear. He tells you what he wants. And he said that exact scripture to me. Let me read it to you again for a second. It says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. And it wasn't even about where your treasure is, there your heart will be. This was a very practical thing that God stepped into in our lives. And we had a choice, and it was probably only about 20 quid. might have only been 20 quid a month at the time. That we could put that into a pension scheme, or we could figure out a way to invest that into something eternal. (coughs) We decided to support somebody who was going to Bible college in England at the time. I think for the princely sum of a five or a week. Something like that. Instead of putting her into a pension scheme. Can I tell you what would have happened to our pension scheme if we'd have gone down the road of a pension scheme? By the time the crash came, it probably would have been worth about €100,000 to us. By the time the crash was finished, it probably would have been worth about a fiver. And the mot and the stealing and the rust would have had all of it. But I know that the money that we invested into that person who then went on to minister in a church and touched I don't know how many lives, and generations of lives, that somehow or other, in the greater scheme of the economy of God, that we have ownership in a blessing due to us because we invested in the kingdom. So when you invest in something, you get a payback of an investment. That's the way investments work. When you invest in the kingdom of God, now I'm not saying we'll probably never see money for that, but someday I'm going to stand in heaven. And God's going to go, do you remember that fiver? See that person down there sitting in the back? He's here because you gave that fiver to that person who talked to that person, who talked to that person, who done this, who did that, and now they're here. That's worth better than a pension any day of the week. And two weeks ago I was talking to you about don't do your stuff in public because you get all your reward on earth and don't get, you know, praying and fasting and all that. Do you remember I was talking about all of that? Do it in secret. I'm blowing my reward in heaven here. I'm very aware of that, okay? But I'm doing it for a teaching thing. Because I want you to have that. You have a choice every week that you have money in your pocket, what you do with it. You have a choice. Whether, do you call hope home? Do you believe this is your home? Do you believe what we're doing here is right? Do you believe what we're doing here is for the kingdom of God? Do you believe what we're doing here is going to reach this community? Well, then why aren't you investing in it? Because if you really believe that, and I'm sorry if this is your very first week and I'm hammering you for money, that's not, I'm not normally like this. Listen to the podcast, you'll hear. But honestly, 
If this is really your home, if you were living in a house and it was your home, would you not be putting something in for the bills? Would you not be, would you not be taking on ownership? Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. I know the people who invest in hope. Not just their money, but their time and their heart and their effort. Because your greatest treasure is your life. The greatest treasure you have that you can give to anybody is your life. And your life is made up of time. What do you do with your time? Where's your time going? Is it going into saving other people or is it going into Coronation Street? Is it going into helping your neighbor or is it going into Netflix? Is it going into... Are you with me? That, that's the choices. They're, they're the stark realities of the day-to-day choices that we have. And we're either investing in the stuff of this world or we're investing in the stuff of eternity. I can tell you now, this is not going to be policed. We're not going to be coming up in a few weeks going, if you started doing it, you're all adults in this room. Jesus said, don't invest in the stuff that's going to be destroyed. Because you're wasting it. Invest in something that's eternal. You have to decide what's your treasure. For me, I believe my treasures are my time, my money, my talents, my gifts, my love, whatever I have that I can give. And I am not anything special. I don't even have a leaving cert. I ran away from school. Like, I'm, I'm not anything special. But what I have, I have from God. And what I have is to give to this world the best that I can give so that others just maybe get to go to heaven too and get to even live a life here that has less pain and more peace. Now I'll move on to the noise bit. It's about not worrying. (laughs) Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food? I don't know. And the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Before I even read any further, I want to ask you a question. This is an honesty two minutes, okay? It's not being videoed, so no one can see this. If you have ever worried about anything in your life, put your hand up in the air. Some years are like this, okay? Be brave and put your hand up in the air. Have you ever worried enough? Keep your hand up if this means you. Have you ever worried enough that it kept you awake at night time? <laughs> ever worried enough that your stomach felt sick? But here's the last bit, right? Have you ever done all of that and the thing never happens? You put all that energy and effort in, lose sleep and everything else, and then it doesn't happen? That's just not fair with life. Okay, and put your hand down. Here's the point. God, in whatever his amazing thing is, he gave us the power of imagination. And worry is our imagination on steroids. Because you get an ESB bill in the door and and in 10 minutes time you have yourself homeless, living in a cardboard box somewhere. Because worry plays that thing over and over and over again. 
Worry just takes that little tiny seed and it grows it into a disaster for you. Fair enough? Worry is about what you fill your head with. Because when you think when you're worrying, what are you doing? You're going, oh my God, this is going to happen. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. You might be saying, oh my God, you might be saying something else, but you're saying, it's bad, 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 bad. Yeah? So it's what you're filling your head with. The scripture says fill your head with stuff that's good. Meditate on the scriptures. Meditate on the promises of God. Think about the things that's pure and lovely and good. Your imagination has the power to make your body sick. Think about that for a minute. You all had your hand up and I said your stomach ever feels sick. I guarantee you some of you were throwing up or in the loo over it. The power of that seed and our imagination can make our bodies sick. The power of the seed of the word of God and our imagination can make our bodies whole. Can fill our minds and our hearts with peace. Proverbs says, he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee. If I keep my head full of God instead of full of me worries, I will live in peace. If I keep my head full of me worries, I'll be up all night feeling sick. The choice is mine because God gave me the power to do that. And in this, he gives me a command. He doesn't give me a suggestion. He says, don't worry. Do not worry. It's not like, it'd be a good idea if you didn't worry. It's like, do not worry. Do you ever do that with your kids? It's not like, think it'd be good if you didn't walk out in front of the cars. Do not walk out in front of the cars. We don't, we don't. This isn't a suggestion. But he's not doing it for to ruin your day. Because I know some people like worrying. They feel like they've nothing else to do with their life when you say Someone said worry is like sitting in a rocking chair. You're doing loads, but you're going nowhere. You're rocking away. Let me finish what it says. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you have little faith. So do not worry. Here we go. Do not worry. That's twice there. Verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not worry. Verse 31, do not worry. Saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? I love this verse. For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Isn't that amazing? Your dad, heaven knows what you need. And my kids were small. They didn't have to be thinking about what they were going to forget for dinner. We knew they needed the dinner, so we went shopping. And we put food in the press. And then we fed them when the time was right. If they came up at 10 o'clock in the morning looking for a roast bud, they weren't getting one because it was the wrong time. But when the time was right, we fed them. Your heavenly Father knows what you need. Whatever that is, financial or spiritual or emotional or physical, he knows what you need. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I have a little thing marked in here. 
And it says, the 19th of the 4th, 2015, an answer to prayer this morning, re-money. So I was obviously worried about money in 2015, for whatever reason. I'm self-employed, so some months you don't have a lot of money coming in the door, so it helps. So I think today, I really think that God wants to leave us with two choices in two different areas of our life. And one is to decide what your treasure is and what you're going to do with it for the rest of your life. And I want to say this, and as, as clear as a bell as I can, God does not need your money. And when I say God, I also mean hope. Hope does not need your money to survive. We've done quite well so far without it. God will provide for his church. What he does is let us have an opportunity to be part of it. So this is not sermon, bit of this sermon is not about trying to, to wangle you and manipulate you into putting money in the box every week. It's not about trying to manipulate you or twist your arm to get your purse out or your wallet out or your credit card. We don't have a machine for taking credit cards, so don't bother doing that. But it's not about trying to get your money for here. God will provide for what he needs. But it is about offering you an opportunity to invest in the kingdom of God. You can do that in multiple ways. This is just one of them. I think God wants us to decide what we want to do with the treasure that we have of time. Where are you spending your time? What are you doing with your time? Who are you giving it to? Who are you serving? Because Jesus was a servant. He came to serve. He said that. And that we were to follow his example. So the two choices. One, the choices around your treasure. What are you going to do with it? And the second choice is around worry. Because you can worry as much as you like. But if you do, you're going to make yourself sick. It's not going to change anything. And you're actually doing it in direct disobedience to what God told you to do. Which was don't worry. And in Philippians it says, do not be anxious about anything, but by prayer and petition, present all your requests to God. Who already knows what you need. And has already made provision for your life before you were even born. Now, unless you want to end up looking as bald as me or even Alex, I would suggest stop worrying. But here's the thing. You, you, you can worry as much as you want to, but you're wrecking yourself. You're just wrecking yourself. You might as well be taking a big stick out and baiting the head off yourself. Because that's what you're doing on the inside. So the two choices, what are you going to do with your treasure? And what are you going to do with all that mental energy that you have, that you have devoted to worrying? How about devoting that to filling yourself up with the promises of God? And see the difference that that makes in your life as you move forward. Is that fair enough? Amen. We pray.
If anyone needs prayer before you leave, come up. There's uh, going to be a few of us here. We'll pray with you. Um, and if you don't, that's fine. Be blessed as you go through this week. And um, it's great to see you as all. Thanks for coming. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for everyone here. You know, oh Lord, I just... I just pray that the words that have been spoken here that are of you will sink deep into our hearts. And Lord, the words that were spoken that were of me, I pray they fall to the floor and they're forgotten about before people even walk out that door. But your word is living and it's active and it challenges us and it changes us and it directs us and it encourages us and it does all of those things, Lord God. Because you speak life into each and every one of us all the time. All the time. So I pray, Father, come. With the power of your spirit right now and speak into our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would speak into people's hearts about what are they doing with their treasure. This treasure of life that you have given to each and every one of us. What, what are we going to do with it? How are we going to spend it, Lord God? This treasure of finances that you've given us. No matter how poor we think we are, we're still one in the top 5% of the world. You have blessed us beyond description. But what are we doing with it? And what will we do with it? Well, I pray that you would direct the lives of the people in this room. And Lord, I pray for those that struggle with worry and anxiety and stress. That somehow by the power of your spirit, you would help us and teach us and train us how not to worry, but how to take all of those things that worry us and stress us and bring them to you. And Lord, help us to stop telling you how big our problems are, but to start telling our problems how big our God is. Because you are bigger than anything we're going to face on this planet. Well bigger. And well able. So God, I pray your blessing. May your face shine upon your people. May you hold their hearts and their hands and their heads in your hands. Will you grant them peace, God? Will you grant them breakthrough in their life in the areas where they're struggling right now? Will you make the difference this week, Jesus? And I ask it in your name. Amen.